For several weeks now, we've been engaged in a sermon series we've called Just Say the Words. We've explored what uh, it means to say important phrases to one another or to God through the stories of the Old Testament. I love you. I need help. I was wrong. I'm enough. And today we come to one of deep imagination and say, what if? We engage in that phrase through the story of Moses in the Old Testament, and so we continue his story in chapter 4. So listen now for the word of God. Moses answered God, but suppose the Israelites do not believe me or listen to me, but say, the Lord did not appear to you. And the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, a staff. And God said, throw it on the ground. So he threw the staff on the ground, and it became a snake, and Moses drew back from it. And the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and seize it by the tail. So he reached out his hand and grasped it, and it became again a staff in his hand. So that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, has appeared to you. But then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor now that you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who gives speech to mortals? Who makes them mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what it is you are to speak. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, what of your brother Aaron the Levite? I know that he can speak fluently. Even now he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, his heart will be glad. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and will teach you what you shall do. He indeed shall speak for you to the people. He shall serve as a mouth for you, and you you shall serve as God for him. So take in your hand your staff with which you will perform these signs. This, too, is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, heavenly dove, with all thy quickening power. Come shed abroad a Savior's love that it may kindle ours. For if you are with us, then nothing else matters. And if you are not with us, then nothing else matters. Amen. What if I told you that a sure thing can become a what if? What if I told you he wasn't the greatest? What if I told you that sometimes it is a matter of life or death? What if I told you that no one can outrun the truth? What if I told you that the man no one could stop tragically was? 
What if I told you running a marathon was easy? And in honor of Duke's win over UNC last night, <laughs> what if I told you that everyone hates Christian Leitner? Some of you out there are sports fans, and each of those what-ifs is the opening line to one of ESPN's 30 for 30 episodes about some of the greatest sports legends of all time. Each of those what-if-I-told-you's captures a kind of universal human experience through the lens of a particular athlete as their story is being told. But it got me thinking. Surely we could do the same with Scripture, right? The Bible, after all, tells story after story of the ways that the transcendent and holy God comes to us, comes to our lives through ordinary people who become great because they chose to follow God. We come to know a God who is bigger than our wildest imaginations, not through philosophical proofs or through theological treaties, but through the particular stories of the lives of people like us. So what if we wrote 30 for 30 episodes for the greatest biblical characters of all time? What if I told you that an elderly nomad would become the leader of a great nation? What if I told you that love transcends enemy lines? What if I told you that forgiveness has the power to change everything? What if I told you that sometimes going back is necessary to go forward? What if I told you that the one killed on the cross would save the world? What if I told you that with God, anything is possible? In both ESPN's version and my imaginary biblical version of the 30 for 30, that simple phrase, what if, opens up a world of possibility. It lets us step into a kind of imaginative space where wonder is our guide. It enables us to look at familiar scenes with fresh eyes. Children are incredibly good at this, right? Every parent knows that you have given your child what you thought was the all-star toy, and what do they end up playing with? The box, right? But they can take that cardboard box and turn it into a rocket ship that can go to another planet because they can see past barriers and obstacles that we use to limit what's possible. They look at that box and say, who needs to be bound by the laws of gravity or the power of fear? But what if doesn't always begin in that space of infinite possibility? Sometimes it starts with us putting up barriers because we are afraid. Sometimes we hear that phrase, what if, and we don't think of the opportunities for what's possible, but we think of everything that could possibly go wrong. What if I embarrass myself? What if I don't have enough to pay the bills? What if we have a recession? What if the person I love doesn't love me back? What if I don't make the team? What if I fail the test, which means the teacher won't like me, which keeps me from getting into the honors program, so I won't have the GPA to get into my dream school, which means I'll never become a doctor and I'll disappoint my parents? You get the idea. It's easy, right, for us to play the what-if game in a way that can be debilitating. 
in a way that paralyzes us or stifles our imagination. And this isn't just a personal problem. We do this in the church, too. What if we don't make the budget? What if doing a new thing offends that saint of the church? What if welcoming the homeless causes an issue with our liability insurance? What if the pastor is too political? What if the church gets struck by lightning? That one actually happened. What if we've never done it that way before? Sometimes our greatest log jams are because we use that what if as a way to limit us rather than open up possibilities because what if opens the door to change. And let's be honest, none of us really like to change. But God, God is a God who loves to ask what if. Because God, the God that we know in Scripture is a God of infinite possibility. Over and over again in the Bible, God's capacity to imagine beyond what is to what can be is what moves us from lost to found, from separation to unity, from captivity to freedom, from hatred to love. And it's that God of infinite possibility that finds Moses in the desert this morning. So Moses is out tending his father-in-law Jethro's flock of sheep far from Egypt, beyond the wilderness, it says, near the mountain of God. And for all intents and purposes, Moses is minding his own business, trying to not get into any more trouble than he's already in. And he meets God who has other ideas. So Moses comes upon a bush that's on fire but isn't consumed. And he's drawn to this scene where the seemingly impossible is happening right before his eyes. And scripture says he takes notice and he hears God call his name. I absolutely love this story in Scripture, and I have often played the what-if game with myself and said, what if I encountered a burning bush? What if God called me by name? I wonder if I would notice the bush or if I would be too busy and just walk on by. I wonder if I did notice if I would dare to respond to my name. But Moses did notice. And he comes out of the gate really bold. He says, here I am, as if he was born for this moment. And then he learns that God's little party trick with the bush is actually an invitation to, to have the lead role in the liberation of God's people from slavery in Egypt, which makes that burning bush in front of him look like child's play. And here he is standing on holy ground before the God of infinite possibilities. And what's his reaction? Fear. Scripture says Moses hid his face and was afraid to look anymore. I think Moses' second reaction is actually the pretty natural human reaction that all of us would have if we're asked to take a big risk. We'd step into that what-if space. And Moses starts looking for every reason to step back from this commitment he's just made, or at a very minimum to plan for the human contingencies, safeguarding against anything that could go wrong in this call that's been placed upon his life. 
And so he goes down the rabbit hole with God of what if. What if the Israelites don't listen? What if they don't believe me? What if I make a mistake? What if I don't have the power or the skill that's needed? What if the snake bites me? What if I can't speak well enough? What if we get back to Egypt and, and Pharaoh finds out that I killed one of his soldiers and he kills me? And then somewhere in the recesses of Moses' head, he also must be thinking, what if this whole thing works and we get out of Egypt? What then? All of his what-ifs, in my opinion, are pretty reasonable. Fear and anxiety, they're natural human reactions for us. But his what-ifs also reflect the way that fear limits Moses' image of God. Moses viewed God's call as a task that felt impossible because he thought that all of it was on his shoulders. But Robert McAfee Brown once said, God is not a problem to be solved, but a mystery to be wondered. And with each of Moses' what-ifs, God's response reveals that God is bigger, more powerful, more generous, more persistent, more observant, and more committed to our flourishing than we are often to ourselves. God is a God of infinite possibility, and God's response helps move Moses from this place of fear to expectation, from anxiety to imagination. Because with every what-if that Moses puts up, God tears down that barrier with a promise. What if the Israelites ask who sent me? Give them my name, says God. Let them know me the way I know them. But what if they won't listen to me, says Moses? Then invite them into a place of wonder. Show them what that staff can do. What if I can't speak well enough to convince them? It's not all on you, Moses. Team up with your brother Aaron. Again and again, we see how God takes our human fear-driven what-ifs and transforms them to show us that God is greater than we could possibly imagine. And so we take these stories from Scripture and we apply them to our lives today as well, right? If we think that God is aloof and disengaged from the world, we meet in Scripture a God who observes the misery of the people and who works toward their liberation. If we think our imperfections disqualify us from being called by God, we find in Scripture a God who calls Moses, an inarticulate murderer who's out wandering the fields. If we think God can't solve our problems from political quagmires to systemic poverty, we find in Scripture a God who freed the Israelites, who brought water from a rock, manna from heaven, and delivered them to a land flowing with milk and honey. When we look at Moses' story, Every time Moses limits God, God bursts out of that box the way Jesus does out of a tomb centuries later. And if God could do that for Moses, then we're challenged to believe that that God 
can take all of the resistance and barriers and fears that we might carry around and turn us into the next championship-winning, legendary, 30-for-30 quality story of what God can do with a promise. Moses' story challenges us to deeper trust and wider imagination. Scripture says that God observed the misery of the people and brought about their liberation. So what if God is taking notice even now of the marginalized and hurting in our world today? What if God is preparing us to be part of our neighbor's flourishing? I don't know whether any of us will find ourselves stopping at the sight of a burning bush, but I do believe that God continues to call us to particular ways to work toward the liberation and love of the world. And if we're to be a faithful church seeking to follow God, then we, like Moses, are called to set aside the what-ifs of fear and to step into the what-ifs of possibility. So what if we're changed by the children we know at Dobbs and called to advocate for educational reform? What if we're moved by a care field trip and called to reform the way we use our resources? What if we name our own struggles with mental health in a way that calls us to fight for better access for all people? What if the different abilities in our own community invite us to work toward this building and our worship service being more accessible for all? What if the new members joining us today bring gifts we didn't know we were missing that invite us to do a new thing? It might make us exactly as uncomfortable as Moses is. It might cause us to look for every way that we don't have to change or take a risk. Churches have been doing that for a long time. It might result in some total failures that are going to require a big dose of God's grace. It might open the door to conflict. Think about how many times Moses and the Israelites had a tiff in the desert. But the God of infinite possibility is inviting us to step forward with courage, with faith, and above all with the assurance that God promises to be with us always. So what if we believed that God's promises were true? And what if I told you that God might be calling you? What if? Amen. Amen.